0: You are now listening to The Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Major Jobs Podcast. Today we're talking with Adam again, the firefighter who we talked to previously. Currently he's working as a nurse anesthetist and basically what he does is he puts the patients to sleep before they undergo surgery and it's a really great job. It's in the medical field. I know more people were wanting to have more jobs in the medical field so I thought that this would be perfect and Adam does a really great job about telling what the job is like and just explaining what it entails and uh, I thought that it was interesting like all the different types of people that I interviewed in the medical field they all have extremely different tasks that they deal with and different ways of how they got into the job so each person is unique in their own way and each job is unique so uh, i thought that adam talking about what it's like being a nurse anesthetist was really interesting and i wanted to share it with you all here today so without further ado here is that episode thanks for listening we talked last time about what it was like being a firefighter and we're on again so um, Adam, what is your current job title?
1: Uh, right now I'm a, a certified registered nurse anesthetist or a, a CRNA or a, a nurse anesthetist for short. And that's uh, a nurse practitioner uh, in anesthesia.
0: All right. So what would you say like your job description is? Like what do you do?
1: So we provide anesthesia care in in every setting that you can imagine. So everything from acute care in hospitals to office-based anesthesia, and that can be anything from um, light or what we call moderate sedation all the way to a, a general anesthetic where um, you're completely unconscious and we kind of take over your your physiology and kind of dominate you for you know, during surgery.
0: All right. And how long have you been being a CRNA?
1: I graduated from uh, UT uh, here in Houston, Texas. Um, It's one of the top schools in the nation. Uh, We have several programs here uh, in in the Texas area. And I was fortunate enough to get into UT and have access to the the Texas Medical Center here. And I graduated there in 2014. uh, And I've been in practice uh, with the same group here ever since. And I mostly do um, outpatient stuff. but. Uh, Up until recently, we were also covering um, several hospitals, so I've kind of done everything from hospital-based anesthesia all the way to, you know, ambulatory surgery centers and then office-based anesthesia.
0: All right. How, How did you, like, first get into this job? So we heard about how you were a firefighter before this, and, you know, there was a big emphasis on caring for other people, which is the same in this job as well, where you know, you care for other people. So what, what, what made you want to go into this job field specifically?
1: My first exposure to it was during my uh, EMT intermediate um, training where we had to, as part of our experience, we had to go into operating rooms and get some intubations done, some uh, practice with endotracheal intubation. That's where you stick a breathing tube, you know, through your mouth and into your into your trachea there so that we can have a secure airway. And uh, that's a pretty critical you know, airway management skill and life-saving skill for the EMS side. So that's when I first got exposure uh, to some CRNAs at some uh, small hospitals in, in uh, Utah.
0: And how would you say, like, people would normally attain the job? Do you think what you did was conventional, or do you think other people have a more standard way of getting into the
1: job? uh I wouldn't say there's necessarily a standard way of going about it there's a lot of different avenues to get into it but the the common thing is that everybody has to start off as an RN uh, so everybody you know just starts off going through a you know basic uh, registered nurse program and then once they get their license uh, they have to attain a bachelor's degree in nursing and then usually you have to do about another Half year to a year of prereqs to be able to apply to the um, anesthesia programs, and the programs now are doctorate programs. Uh, when I went through, I was one of the last classes to be a, a master's uh, program only, but since then they've they've changed it to a, a doctorate program throughout the whole nation now. So it's a basically a four-year program, um, which is post year. Uh, bachelor's so it's a it's a long road to get into but it's it's very well worth it once you're done mm.
0: and do you think you were a bit older than the rest of your classmates when you were going through schooling or is it a like a wide mix of different ages
1: it's a pretty big mix but i, I was definitely on the older side um i i was a firefighter for 10 years so mm-hmm. i kind of spent spent a whole mm-hmm. different career you know doing that but there were some uh, some of my classmates that had just not wasted any time. They were able to you know, could, you know, knock their bachelors out quick and and get their uh, required ICU experience. Uh, you had to have at least a year or two of that, um, and then and then they were able to get in right away. And they got so they got a, the short you know the shortest possible path. And and my one of my good friends actually who went to my cl- my same program he graduated when, when he was I think twenty eight. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, it's, I was kind of jealous of him a little bit. (laughs) I was 35 when I graduated. Yeah.
0: And like, do you think that your time as a firefighter really helped with your schooling and with understanding a lot of the principles that go into being a CRNA?
1: It did. Uh, I I already kind of had a a little bit of a leg up with the airway management skills and, uh, you know, some of the, Um, more independent type thinking mentality that comes along with, with being a CRNA. Um, So I was kind of used to to that aspect of it. And I've also had some exposure to, you know, resuscitations and and stuff like that. But I guess to be fair though, all of my classmates worked in an ICU in one venue or another. So they have all had some, you know, training for sure and experience with, with critical care.
0: And, what would you say the routine is like on a daily basis? I would assume that it would range differently every day and not every day is the same, but on like a basic level, what would you say you do?
1: Sure. So in my group, because we cover um, a lot of different sites, like you said, it, it can vary depending on whether we're working in an ambulatory surgery center or office-based or working in a hospital. But for the most part... A typical day um, starts with you know receiving your assignment. What OR are you going to be in? What cases you're going to be you know, assigned for that day? And that can be pretty flexible throughout the day, depending on how you know, the the schedule marches out and whether or not people cancel or stuff just kind of runs over. So what you think you may be doing might might change. So you have to be pretty flexible, and uh, that's that's real common in this job is to be able to move around and change your you know your venue pretty fast. And so, but. Typically how the day starts is the first cases come in and we do uh preoperative evaluations. And some of that has been done in advance. So they usually have done some, either a, a telephone interview with a, a preoperative nurse who calls them and asks them kind of general health questions and gives them some, some preoperative instructions. Like most importantly, not to eat or drink anything, you know, within eight hours of coming. Uh, and then once they show up, we take their vital signs and height and weight and then uh, confirm their health history. And then we perform a, a pre-anesthetic evaluation where we, again, just go over their health history, look at any labs that may have been drawn, any, uh, any other studies like um, EKGs or stuff like that. And uh, we make sure that they're, that they're fit for surgery and safe you know, to carry on with the surgery because you know we don't want to put people in uh, undue risk or harm if especially for something that's elective you know that can wait so part of our job is to make sure that people are optimized you know to, before they show up to make sure that it's as safe as possible for them and then once that's done uh, we bring them into the operating room uh, usually we'll sedate them before um, not always kind of depends on their age uh, but usually we, we give them a little bit of a sedative you know we call it our margarita or or cocktail or whatever, and, and it's just a little something to kind of take the edge off because people are usually pretty anxious, you know, understandably. And then once we get them into the uh, operating room, we uh, we hook up our monitors to them so we can c- very closely monitor their vital, vital signs. And then we give um, an induction agent, uh, usually almost always through their IV, uh, and that drug may be uh, propofol or etomidate or ketamine or but 99 times out of, out of 100, it's, it's usually propofol. And then once we knock you out, then we uh, secure an airway. And there's a d- couple of different ways of doing that, you know, whether it's we stick a breathing tube in or we, or we put like another type of a mask that kind of sits in the back of your throat called an LMA. Um, something that we can kind of secure your airway a little bit because once people are anesthetized, especially deeply anesthetized, uh, they don't really control their own airway reflexes very well. and they also don't don't tend to breathe very well on their own. So we have to kind of take over that for them. And that's a big part of our training is you know learning the the physiology and uh, even anatomy of you know, the airway and other other aspects too, so that we can you know basically take over your body's physiology during the during the surgery or the procedure. and so we'll control your breathing, we'll, sometimes even issue or or, or administer uh, muscle relaxants that essentially paralyze you so that you know you don't you're not fighting the surgeon essentially by that I mean you're not uh, having involuntary kind of you know muscle movements because a lot of your body's reflexes you know happen even when you're unconscious you know it happens when you're not aware of it so um, for example, if you know, if you're, even if you're deeply unconscious, if I, you know, poke you with a sharp object or, or cut you with a knife, you'll withdraw a little bit, you know? So sometimes we have to control that by giving muscle relaxants and things like that. So when that is the case, then we for sure have to, you know, take over your airway and your, and your breathing. And, and then also another common side effect of anesthesia is, is that it affects your, your cardiovascular system and it tends to lower your blood pressure and lower your heart rate. So, we kind of have to control that too. We give medications for that, and then when the surgery's all over, then we gotta reverse it all, and then get you back up to normal and breathing on your own. And make sure that your blood pressure is stable on its own, and make sure that you can control your airways on your own, so you don't aspirate. You know, and have any serious complications from that. And then once once we get you out of the operating room and wake you up, we take you to the post anesthesia care unit and that's where you're gonna sit and observe you for a while and especially after general anesthesia, there's, you know, there's a good you know, 30 minutes or so where people are still kind of vulnerable, um, especially depending on the type of surgeries they've had and, and on rare occasions, um, especially if it's a kind of a bigger surgery or a sicker patient, you know, sometimes they, they, don't, they kind of don't fly too well and then we have to you know, you either give them some medications or we have to give them some type of other airway support after the surgery you know, and maybe admit them to the hospital. That's pretty rare, but it does happen, especially with more uh, vulnerable patients, and that's pretty much it.
0: And how many people do you usually work within the group?
1: Uh, it, it totally depends. So uh, it can be a really small group um, of four or five people, or you can be have huge like national groups of thousands of people. Uh, so it kinda, yeah, it really kind of depends on your employer. Uh, but I mean, typically it's within any venue, um, whether it's a, a surgery center or a, or a hospital, it's just going to be a handful of anesthesia care providers in your immediate vicinity. And it's usually we, we, we work with anesthesiologists who are you know, medical doctors that, that a residency and in, in anesthesia. And we work uh, under them, uh, in, in this state in Texas. Uh, in some states, uh, CRNAs can practice completely independently. Um, there's about 13 or, or so states in the union that, that they can do that, that they may or may not work with anesthesiologists at all. Um, but in this state, uh, we, we tend to work with them. Uh, we have to have at least a, a physician of some kind sign off on our cases, um, and that's usually an anesthesiologist. Uh, so they're they're there and they're they're part of the, the anesthesia care model. We have a really good collaborative relationship with them. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how many patients do you usually see in a day?
1: Uh, again, again, it varies, but uh, it's I would say it's pretty common to do you know three to five general anesthetics in a day or if you're um, doing some other type of services like say pain management services then or or uh, or GI or endoscopy services then that that could easily be three times mm. that. So anywhere from, you know, a couple of cases all the way up to, you know, 15. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. kind of depends on which which service that you're working for that day. Yeah, and would you say like the scheduling
0: is more standard nine to five, or is is it
1: vary again? Yeah, it, it it varies based off of where you're at, but I would say eighty you percent know, of of the anesthesia jobs out there are pretty standard uh, seven to three, five days a week. Um, if you work in a hospital, then then you may have to work weekends and holidays oh. and nights, uh, and you also may have to take call. Um, so like, like a call. Sh- type uh, shift would be where uh, let's say after you've you know the regular work schedule is done for the day then you just kind of have to stay in-house and be available for any uh, emergencies or any um, add-on cases it, that's, that's actually pretty common especially mm-hmm. in a hospital that you have to you know do some cases to just show up for mm-hmm. whatever reason mm-hmm. yeah and
0: what would you say do you prefer like do you prefer the firefighter schedule where you know it's like very long stretches of time or do you prefer the crna schedule where you know there's like it's not it doesn't take up 24 hours of your day
1: <laughs> yeah personally for me i i it's hard to be at the firefighter schedule okay. that was that was wonderful to be able to go you know 24 or 48 hours at a, at a time and then have you know four days off so you could you could do a lot with your time off and uh whereas you know when you're doing five days a week, you're kind of living for the weekend, you know. It mm-hmm. can be a little bit of a grind, but it's, it's not bad. It's, it, they both have their, you know, their pluses and, and minuses. Um, it certainly is nice to be able to sleep in my own bed every night and not have to be woken up at 2 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning for, for a call. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the downside of the firefighter's game. Yeah. And
0: what would you say are some important traits for a CRNA to have
1: to be successful uh, communication skills uh, mm-hmm. definitely, because you have to work with you know a, a lot of different people, uh, a lot of different services. Um, critical thinking is also very high on the list. You, you need to be able to, uh, you know, grasp uh, kind of complex and abstract thought pretty well. Um, you need to be able to you know think on your feet and be able to react quickly because you know, when things go bad in anesthesia, they tend to go bad very quickly, and you can go from a, everything's fine to oh, holy crap, I'm in deep trouble, you know, get help situation in in minutes or seconds. And uh, Thankfully, it doesn't happen too often, but it does happen. And so you need to be able to, you know, think, think clearly and, and be able to act quickly.
0: And I wanted to touch back upon the schooling aspect. Would you say that the schooling was difficult? Because a lot of people talk about how, like, jobs in the medical field the schooling it's very like you have to be very studious and there's a lot of like memorization that goes into it especially for physiology i remember taking physiology you got to memorize a lot of specific things would you say like that is extremely beneficial for the job
1: yeah it's it's essential uh it's yeah it's, it's a very high volume of information uh some of it's just kind of, you know, simple, like you're saying, just memorization, and some of it's not. Some of it's very kind of complex, you know, problem-solving type, you know, being able to take all the pieces that you've learned and be able to to put them into in together into solving problems and coming up with solutions. And so it's, yeah, it's it's a lot of information, though, and, and I would say, um I was rather shocked my, my first semester of anesthesia school uh, at the volume of information. Um, it was like drinking from a fire hose. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was intense. And I studied, no exaggeration, I studied more uh, my first semester than all of my undergrad combined. Wow. wow. <laughs> it was intense. It was 10 to 12 hours a day every day. You know, I, it, it was awful yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was worth uh-huh. it i mean it, it was it's not like that you know throughout the whole program but it was you know just certain parts of it are kind of they kind of call them your what your wash out parts you know like this is we're gonna see what you're made of here and mm-hmm. we're gonna see if you got you know got what it takes to do it and and so it's that's pretty common mm-hmm. uh but you know as far as the whole um pathway to get there the nursing side of it um you know just getting your BSN, um that's pretty standard it, it's that's easily mm-hmm. attainable i think for for most people it's it's really not that difficult to get into the crna program um it's extremely competitive uh it it is uh kind of described as you know the special forces of nursing essentially mm. and and that's not to to downplay with you know other nurse practitioners. They they have tough programs and they do amazing stuff. Uh, but it's it's difficult and it, it is the most sought after and it is the most um, competitive by far. And so, if you're going to get into or apply to a, a program, you're going to have to have a pretty good GPA. You're going to need mm-hmm. to be probably three five at least to be competitive. Um, or or better. So you need to think about that for sure. And during your undergrad, you know, if, if you think that CRN is what you want to do, then you know you need to make sure you shoot for A's at, at every opportunity you can. And if you have to settle for a B, then that's okay. But nothing less than mm-hmm. that, you know. It's because that's what it takes. Because you're yeah. competing against um, the best of the best in the industry, mm-hmm. and so it's it's difficult. You have to really apply yourself. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think like your time. As a firefighter, boosted your application a
1: bit. It did. Um, yeah, I've definitely learned kind of discipline, and I, you know, there's a lot of self-discipline required to, to you know, and planning to be able to, to achieve this goal to get here. Um, it's not something you can kind of just mosey into. You know, you got to come at it from a from a strategic and some from, from a planned uh, perspective, and uh, really work to get there you know you got to put the time in just just like becoming a fireman you know you have to it's competitive and you got to put the time in to do it no one's gonna no one's gonna just hand it to you nobody
0: um i also noticed that you listed like very specific drugs and you know you need to know when to use them and what specific ones to use did you also learn that during schooling or was that
1: more from experience uh, both, uh, but yeah, pharmacology is is a huge aspect of anesthesia because uh, pharmacology and, and airway management are, you know, eighty percent of what we do. Um, but pharmacology is definitely one one of our biggest, if not our biggest, tools. I mean, that's essentially how we mm-hmm. we knock you out is <laughs> with some type of chemical mm-hmm. agent. So, yeah, we have to be experts in them. You have to really uh, know exactly what those drugs do, what they don't do, um, you know, what those molecules do to your body and what, the, what your body does to the molecules, you know. So you got to kind of know like, what the side effects are, um, what, when you can use them, when you can't use them because, uh, you know, some of these medications, if you use them improperly, it will have a disastrous result and uh, so it requires you know you got to pay attention to what you're doing you got to you got to really know for sure <laughs> because you're on the line there just as much as the patient is you know and you don't want to you don't want to hurt people you know that's that be that's the ultimate nightmare is you know that you make a mistake and it and it costs somebody their life
0: would you say that there was like a high dropout rate because you know, it seems like it's really tasking and it seems really difficult. Were a lot of the people, like, really motivated when they were doing it?
1: Yeah, everybody that's, that, that shows up on the first day is definitely motivated. I mean, no, nobody's, like I said, just walking in there. Uh, it, it's it's a, a, a feat in and it of itself to even get into the program. Uh, mm-hmm. but yes, there is a, depending on the program, there's some pretty high washout rates. And in, in my program in the first semester, we lost a quarter of our class. Uh, and then some people just said, I, I, they couldn't put the time in. They just, you know, they had family, um, issues, uh, or some of them couldn't stop working, you know, they needed to pay bills. Um, but mm-hmm. so they just literally couldn't stop their life to devote all of their time to, you know, the program. And, um, now, some other programs out there are are a little easier than others, uh, from what I understand. I mean, my, my experience is only with my program, so I, I can't speak for all of them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it it can be quite demanding on on people, um, not just from an academic standpoint, like I was saying, uh, but also from a financial standpoint, because you're usually not going to be able to work at all for most of the program, so you're going to be living off of loans, or savings, or both. And also it takes Mm -hmm. a toll on your, on your personal and your family life because you kind of have to put everything on hold and, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's similar in, in respect to like medical schools like that too. You know, it's, it's just very demanding, but it, in the end it, it is worth the payoff. It very much is worth it.
0: Yeah. Can you talk about like those things that you really like about this job and, you know, what are some of your favorite aspects of it?
1: I like. I really like the schedule of it now. Uh, you know the the. I mean, I, I said earlier, that I like the fire schedule too. But but this this is kind of nice to come home and well, once you get older, it's nice to come home and sleep in my own bed. And it's nice to yeah,
0: to you know
1: yeah. just kind of work eight hours. You know, um, so that's that's nice. But I, I like the skills aspect of it probably the most. Um, I like uh, you know the airway management side of it. I've always kind of liked doing things and. You know, especially the intubation, That's that's something that, as a farm that I really was kind of drawn to and enjoy doing a lot. Uh, but I also, I also like, you know, seeing the anatomy during surgery. You know, seeing the the, the you know the, the pathophysiology of 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 people's injuries or or their illness. And I also like you know seeing the physiology in real time, and that is quite exciting when you get to see these. You know, it's one thing to read about physiological you know responses and principles and things like that but when you see them in real time and then you take actions to manipulate that and you know that's it's pretty exciting it's, it's fun to see you know like i described earlier it's it's kind of fun when i take you into to the operating room and i knock you out and i take over your airway and i take over your breathing for you and then i you know i dominate your physiology and then when the surgery is over i gotta reverse all that i gotta i gotta give it all back <laughs> You know, and, yeah. and kind of let you fly again. It's so it's yeah. it's fun. It's 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 a it's exciting job.
0: So, if there's a teenager and they really like listening, um, just like like what they're listening to, and they want to be a CRNA, what would you say they can do to begin learning? Or are there like any resources that they can use that might be of like help to them?
1: Sure. If you're curious about it, you can always go to the AANA website, it's the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists, and they kind of have some information on there about, you know, what it takes to be a CRNA and what the job is. So that's one resource you can kind of look at. Um, another, another way would be just to kind of reach out and see if you can find a CRNA uh, and then to see if you can shadow them. And that's usually pretty doable to have somebody just come and observe and kind of see if it's, mm-hmm. if it's something you might be interested in. Um, you know working in the operating room isn't for everybody it, it's a little gory <laughs> to say the least mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah. it's kind of yeah. weird to you know i remember the first time i did a cardiac case and, and i'm talking to this person you know before we induce them and then we knock them out and then you know 20 minutes later we're sawing their chest open and i'm looking at their beating heart <laughs> and that's a little weird you know it, it's so uh, it's not uh-huh. for everybody <laughs> yeah but um, you know and and not everybody is, is just gonna be used to that right off the bat. It, it, it kind of that takes time and experience in, in healthcare. I mean like nobody right off the street is kind of used to that so so don't be afraid if, if you're mm-hmm. a little bit on the squeamish side because that's quite normal and everybody kind of is at first but I would say just mm-hmm. just start somewhere in healthcare care. Um, so if you're young I mean getting into EMS, uh, you know emergency medical services that's a good way too because mm-hmm. that will give you. You know the exposure into the operating room to do your you know your intubations once you get into intermediate or paramedic, but it will also you know just you'll get to see the healthcare side of it. You know, do you like the blood and the guts? Do you do you know, are you okay with seeing people, you know, that are critically ill or sometimes people die? I mean, are you does it is that something you can deal with? You know, um, <laughs> so that's another way to kind of get into it and uh, or get into the nursing side. Um, nursing is also a, an amazing career. Uh, it's I would say it's one of the best careers out there because of the tremendous amount of mobility that it offers. You can work anywhere in the nation easily as in almost every city that you can think of as, as a nurse. Um, and in so many different venues, it, it just kind of boggles the mind almost. I mean, there's Nurses that work in industrial sides, and they work in you know like in plants and stuff like that, doing industrial hygiene and safety. And then there's nurses that work in clinics. There's nurses that work in laboratories. There's nurses that work in hospitals, of course. And you know, so there's so many different venues for nursing, uh, and and the mobility is it's just amazing. So it's and and the compensation and pay is is good. You can you can make a good living mm-hmm. as a as a nurse. So that's another you know, great way, and, well, mandatory way, really, to get into CRNA. You have to be a nurse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just wanted to touch upon, like, current events right now. Sure. So how has, like, the coronavirus impacted the job? Um, I, I would assume that you wouldn't have to go to work, but I might be wrong on that. So I just want to
1: hear. Yeah. Uh, personally, it's, it's been really tough uh it's it's hit my group very hard financially uh you know the the governor abbott here in texas has uh passed an executive order uh makes it uh, illegal essentially to do um elective cases to do you know non-emergent cases you know and i understand his rationale for it and, and i agree with it i mean he was he was trying to to you know prevent the spread of it and trying to Prevent healthcare workers from getting sick in case we need them for you know the, for the COVID response, and he's also trying to to uh, preserve you know personal protective equipment, which is in very short supply right now, nationally and internationally. So um, it was the right thing to do, but on a personal level, I'm out of work. I'm I, I haven't worked yeah. since the 25th. <laughs> Yeah. So and I don't know when I'm going back to work. I mean, I will eventually, of course, but uh, it's so it's been a little unsettling to say the least. Uh, mm-hmm. And and before you know, he passed that order. Um, you know, it, it definitely affected our job a lot because we know that that there's a lot of asymptomatic uh, carriers of COVID, yeah. and those are actually the most infectious people. You know, they have the highest virus load, and they're the ones shedding the most virus. And and so, unfortunately for us, uh, you know, in anesthesia, because, you know, we're responsible for airway management, we have to perform one of the most dangerous tasks you can do in healthcare right right now, which is intubation. You know, you got to get your face near their face, mm-hmm. and you're looking down their airway, mm-hmm. and that they cough in your face. Then that could, you know, mm-hmm. greatly contaminate or expose you to COVID. And unfortunately, we know, you know, from data out of China and Italy that that healthcare providers that that get exposures from innovation typically receive a, a higher viral load initially, and that that corresponds with a poor outcome. So mm-hmm. it's a little scary. <laughs> So not only um, do I not get yeah, to go to work right sure. now, if I do go to work, I got to do something that's really risky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, this this too will yeah. pass. I mean, it, it, it'll be okay. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a little interesting time right now. Wow. So
0: I guess like after this all passes, is there any like higher job position that you can like work up towards or is this where you want to be and you're just going to be at this position for the
1: foreseeable future yeah this is pretty much the top of the mountain here uh there's not really a higher level to go to than uh you know than crna Mm -hmm. to be honest uh it's Mm -hmm. this is pretty much it there's some subspecialties that you could get into um i have some friends that work um in in cardiac anesthesia which is you know kind of a subspecialty so they're dealing with the with the really sick people. you know they're doing transplants mm-hmm. and all that crazy stuff like that. and, wow. mm-hmm. and uh, you can get into pediatrics, uh, you know so you can kind of specialize a little bit in this industry if you'd like to. Um, I kind of like to do a little bit of everything. you know I don't like to just do mm-hmm. the same thing too much because it gets a little stagnant and you know I like to I like to keep things a little interesting.
0: <laughs> and that's gonna do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much to Adam for coming on again and talking about what it's like being a nurse anesthetist. And thank you to you for listening all the way to the end. Um, If you have any questions, you can reach out to me at majorjobs.org. And if you have any questions for Adam, just email me there and I can forward them over to him. Again, thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.